0: Okay, welcome back to Series 3 of Recruitment Journeys, the very first podcast ever dedicated to the Australian recruitment industry. Brought to you by me, Pete Watson, and Mint Recruitment, which is my R2R business. Uh, We've been finding great jobs for great recruiters since 2004. Now then, on Recruitment Journeys this time around, we're doing things a little bit differently. Instead of just having the traditional one-on-one conversations, We're inviting two recruitment identities onto every episode so we can get differing opinions, alternate points of view, a bit of banter, vibrant discussion and who knows we might even get some heated debate and who doesn't love a bit of heated debate. So two for the price of one. We'll talk about all things recruitment and also try to get to know our guests on a personal level too. Grant Moffsiewicz from Tom Executive and Jason Rulston from BlackRock each head up businesses that are in full growth mode. And as we experience the official COVID bounce back period that we all prayed to the recruitment gods for, for for so long, which is creating almost unprecedented demand for recruiters, it was great to sit down with these two notoriously upbeat and positive characters and ask them the question that is currently on every recruitment leader's mind. How do you effectively scale a recruitment business? Hope you enjoy it and without further ado. Jason Ralston from BlackRock and Grant Mosovitz from Tom Executive. How are you?
1: Extremely good. Pete.
0: How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Now Jason me grant. Grant me, Jason.
1: Hi Grant. Hi uh, Jason. Good to meet you, mate.
2: Yeah, you yeah. too, mate.
0: This is this is the this is the fourth uh, episode of Series Three of Recruitment Journeys with the, the new kind of three-way concept. But this is the first time. Authentically, we have two guests appearing who don't actually know each other. So, um, so I'm, I'm I'm excited for that reason alone. You're yeah. you're interstate, obviously. Grant, you're in uh, Sydney with Tom and Jason. You're in Brisbane with with BlackRock.
1: Absolutely, we did have a sneaky uh, peek at each other's LinkedIn profiles last night and uh, and connect and uh, both comment how uh, it's going to be interesting meeting each other for the first time on a podcast. But uh, here we are. It seems Absolutely. like we're both positive guys, so we'll try our best.
2: Yeah, I know you.
0: I know you both quite well, and you are both uh, annoyingly positive and upbeat people. Um, so we have got a whole forty-five minutes to annoy you, Pete. Absolutely, but um, in in, ke- in keeping with the hopes of the podcast, you now feel free to to debate and chime in and disagree, uh, or you can just make it really boring and disagree with each other throughout. I, I don't I don't really care, whatever. But um, but chaps, thank you so much for being involved in recruitment journeys. I've already given you a little bit of an introduction earlier on in the podcast. In your own words, would you mind introducing yourself to the listeners and the viewers? Grant, I'll let you go first.
1: Oh, thanks very much,
0: Pete. Um, my name
1: is Grant muffsovitz I'm uh, one of the founders of Tom Executive, which is a Sydney-based boutique recruitment business. Um, we work across five or six skill sets, um, CFO practices where we started, we do audit risk compliance, cybersecurity, we do projects and transformation, we do technology and digital across um, uh, uh, sorry, uh, business intelligence or data analytics. And we do some funds management um, predominantly across financial services, uh, but uh, increasingly um, moving more and more into the commercial space.
0: Thank you. And would you would you still call Tom a boutique, Grant? How many how many people are you? There's 35 of us. That's, is that a boutique? Are we, I we're... don't know. You tell me. You deal yeah. with us all I think day, all
2: a day every day. Jason, can you say that's a good good. boutique? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, wow. I wouldn't say... I, I, I haven't got a number in my mind, but I reckon anything more than a dozen is beyond boutique. You might have been calling ourselves... Anything
2: less than a right? Say again? I was going to say, anything less than a dozen is like a one-man band.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, okay. All right. Well, yeah, we can, we can, we can, we can agree to disagree. Um, Jason, uh, for anybody, for anybody who doesn't know you, Jason, and quite a few people do uh, in your own words, who are you, sir? Uh,
2: I am a 32 year old uh, male Australian uh, recruitment business owner. Um, I started BlackRock uh, with, with about six or seven others. Uh, they're not, not equity uh, owners, um, but six or seven others from a, from a, my previous firm um, about two and a half years ago. And so at the time we went out, we wanted to be multidisciplinary. Um, COVID taught us a lesson and we became an inch wide and a mile deep specializing in technology and digital. So about 16 uh, consultants, everybody's a 360 consultant, we're quite lean in that regard um, and we work across the full digital landscape so development cloud ops marketing design sales Um, and our focus is southeast Queensland but we've been fortunate enough to work some assignments in uh, new south wales and melbourne but very much our focus is um is brisbane
0: okay 16 people you can call yourself a boutique that's cool
2: yes very (laughs) much (laughs)
0: <laughs> right, chaps. So today we are going to talk about, and I want to get your views on how you effectively scale a recruitment business because you know these are fascinating, unique times. You know, we're coming out of a, a global recession. Touch wood, and um, everybody, and I mean everybody, is looking to hire and grow and scale. Right, and um, some are going to get it right, some are going to get it wrong, and I'd like to get your views on a, on a few. Distinct points in, uh, you know, successful execution of growth. Uh, something that you both know a little bit about. But before we do that, to allow the uh, to allow the the viewers and the listeners an opportunity to find out a little bit more about who you are, uh, I suppose away from the, the kind of business front. I'm going to ask you four questions uh, designed to find out uh, who the who the human beings are rather than the business people. Um, I'll start with you, Grant. In fact, I'm probably going to start with you every time, Grant, just to just to make it a little bit more difficult for you. Seeing as it took me so long to get you onto this podcast after months and months and months of trying, this is kind of a little Says bit of punishment. Me right.
1: Says me <laughs> right. All
0: good. <laughs> right, uh, this is an easy one, I hope. Um, who in the recruitment industry, and you've been in the recruitment industry a long time, you've met some some interesting and, and successful people. Who do you most admire, and why? Um.
1: Look, there's definitely more than one, um, and I've been really fortunate over you know 21 years in in recruiting in Sydney that I've had many mentors that have kind of evolved over over time. Uh, when I first arrived in the market, I joined uh, Recruitment Solutions, which was Greg Savage and Graham Whelan's um, business uh, with John McSmith, and had the privilege of working very closely with uh, with Graham and uh, Joe Gorman, um, who are unbelievably instrumental and inspiring in, in getting me up and running in this market. Mm. And then in kind of early 2004, I, um, I, I still feel blessed that I was approached by uh, my now two business partners, Richard O'Flynn and Ben Talentire, who were yeah, my, 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 my nemesis and biggest competitors and felt like I was always trying to catch up to them. Um, we finally got, got, got together in May 2004, and despite our very, very different styles, um, I learned more from those two blokes in those next two, three years than I'd learned in the seven, eight years before that, and I continue to learn. Um, and then I guess I'm, I also feel unbelievably blessed to be able to you know, turn up to, um, to this place every day. Mm -hmm. and be surrounded by 35 unique individuals from a wide variety of backgrounds thanks to you pete you've you've put a few of them in over the years um that um i'm not too ashamed to admit um you know have got similar levels of experience to me and uh teach me as much or more than, than than i get to teach them um but also think beyond recruitment it's important to have uh, non-recruitment mentors and mm. a network of coaches that you can access um, from a, w- a wide variety of industries or geographies that have got a different approach yeah um often friends and family wives included um yeah call out bullshit, um quicker quicker than most so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well you have to have bullshit called out grunts that surprises me enormously
1: yeah well yeah my, my, my wife does a bloody good job at calling it out and uh, and most of my
0: mates do jason same question who within the recruitment industry do you admire the most and why
2: yeah uh look i may have told you about this person there's a there's a number actually pete um same as what grant had to say i've got uh, a number of mentors inside and outside of the industry, um, and especially being younger, I've always really gleaned uh, a lot from from those older than me. Um, and a lot of lot of things I've been taught have, have stayed with me um, from from various mentors that I've had across far and wide. Um, Craig me from you and you, you know, I've only really gotten to know him in the last couple of years, but. You know he's, he's, he's a good mentor for me, and that you know he's a local market uh, opposition firm, but we just slightly different spaces. Uh, yeah, his his way of, uh, of, of dealing with things, um, I find quite admiring. Um, and one of the very first um, managing directors I had, Sarah Kennedy, uh, she was, she was an interesting. A lady, and I, I learned a lot from her as well. She taught me some some really good um, bits and pieces in with mm. you know, to do with recruitment, and also Joel Barbudo from Golf. He's a managing director that um, you know he exhausts me thinking about him, and, and not to not to sound weird there, but he is one of the highest performing billing managing directors I I think I've ever known. Yeah. Um, you know, 90 hundred k months, and looking after a, a, a team with you know seven officers, five officers, or whatever they are, uh, across Australia and Asia pack. So incredible! Wow,
0: I think it's um, I think it's lovely that somebody like Craig Sneesby does um, <clears throat> get you know, for want of a better phrase, give you the time of day. You know, it, I, I think it's lovely that other recruitment leaders hang out and 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 share. Yeah. ideas yeah. and wisdom and thought yeah because yeah you could argue that it could almost be to his benefit to give to you an arm's
1: length you know i agree and i don't think as an industry we do it enough there's, you no, know, there's so, so much ego and uh and weirdness around it but uh yeah I'm, i've always been a really big believer at uh keeping really really close to your competitors and uh and sharing ideas and uh, you're not not giving necessarily any trade secrets away yeah. But there's a lot of common challenges that if you kind of, I guess, comfortable enough in your own skin, well, let's just talk about them in an, in an open way to try and help each other. Absolutely. And there's enough, there's enough bad recruiters out there that, uh, you know, if a competitor um, places a role with one of your clients, well, you'd much rather it be them than someone
2: else, right? You're
0: right. Yeah. 100%. All right, Chaps, back to you, G. Um, if you hadn't had a career in recruitment, you hadn't chosen a career in recruitment, or the recruitment hadn't chosen you, which is usually the case. Um, what career would you like to have had?
1: <laughs> in my in my early years, I was definitely going to be the next uh, the next striker for Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. Um, <laughs> until I realised I wasn't nearly talented enough, and probably not <laughs> fit enough, and yeah, just nowhere near. Um, <laughs> And then when I got to school, I really wanted to follow in my father's footsteps and become a radiologist. Um, And then I realized in middle school and beginning of high school, I certainly wasn't smart enough for that. And then like uh, like many of us, most of us stumbled across recruitment. As you say, Pete, recruitment found me. And uh, the irony then was that for the first two years in recruitment, my radiologist father um, said to me, so when are you gonna stop finding other people's jobs and find yourself a proper job? (laughs) <laughs> but here we are 22 years later or whatever
2: yeah
0: what well, does your i assume your dad has had the opportunity uh to to visit australia and walk into the the, the tom offices and, and see the whole thing humming uh, in its full glory does he does he Eat his words a little bit in a night in, a, in, a, in the nicest possible way well
1: for, fortunately for me my dad actually lives here so um so ah. he has been in a has been in a couple of times albeit it's um uh it's been a, it's been a couple of years now and uh my dad is uh, my mother um bless her heart was the uh, was the emotional um warm uh one where my my dad is um short on um short on words so i know <laughs> he's proud but he tells me uh,
0: he tells me in his own way yeah <laughs> I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. That resonates. Um, all right, Jason. Yeah, I mean, this could be interesting. If, if you were not a recruiter, um, which I think was 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 the path you were always destined to to, to land upon. But looks yeah.
1: like could prop a prop to me or some something powerful
0: on a rugby pitch. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. What well, would you, yeah. What would you oh, like I, to I have would have loved been? to. Have... Sorry.
0: What would you like to have been?
2: Yeah, I would have loved to have uh, played second row for the Brisbane Broncos, but uh, like yourself, Grant, realized um, I was uh, not nearly talented enough. Although I reckon this year or last year, I probably could have, have got a run um, with, with, with their form, picking up the wooden spoon for the first time in 30 years. So, um, I, I got out of high school and, was a, and just worked with my uncle as a welder uh, and then wanted to be, a, or more so you know, through, through school, wanted to be a builder like a carpenter. Um, But then discovered sales, did real estate for a minute and then was impatient and then discovered recruitment because a, a girl or a lady that at the time worked in our real estate office, left real estate and went and worked at Robert Walters. She came back one Friday afternoon for drinks and told us all about it. And I was like, weekends, you get weekends. So I went into that, but probably, probably real estate. So I do, There is a little tiny skerrick of me that regrets probably jumping out of real estate at 20, 21 years old um, and getting into recruitment. But having said that, Pete, it's an interesting question because I bloody love what I do. So
0: Yeah. Also, I wouldn't put it past you. Yeah. If I opened your LinkedIn profile one day, I wouldn't be surprised if I saw black rock real estate. uh, (laughs) Maybe. With your many side hustles. Um, (laughs) Okay. G, in a moment of honesty, during your recruitment career either as a recruiter or a recruitment leader what's the biggest mistake that uh that you've made that still haunts you um pete i couldn't honestly only give you one
1: right um <laughs> and, same uh, you know so i think i think for me there's this there's, there's probably two that or three but two that really stand out the first one for me is definitely and it might sound a little bit motherhood, but hopefully I can I can explain it, is not trusting your gut or my gut. Um, and then the second piece to that is, you know, actually then executing on your gut, right? So, and that's around people, it's around a whole heap of, heap of things over the years, but you know, that sort of stuff comes with time, it comes with experience, it comes with yeah, you know, maturity and and yeah, you know, hopefully as I've got older, a bit more self-reflection to go. Okay, well, yeah, uh, you know, I definitely stuffed that one up. Um, you know, how can I potentially do it better or differently next time? Try something different next time. See that it gets a different, better result, and go. Okay, that worked, and then you know, that then builds confidence to um you know to try it again um yeah moving forward. Um, but I think also. You know, the way I see recruitment is it's, I mean, it's clearly it's a sales environment. I mean, many people coming into the industry forget that. And in order to be successful in recruitment, I believe you do need, you know, just a modicum of of, of ego. Um, ego does build success, but it's the same quality of ego that makes you a successful recruiter that also stops you from admitting mostly to yourself that you've actually made a mistake, yeah. right? And um, often successful recruiters with a bit of ego, success can kind of get to get to their heads and go, "Well, I've done that, that process a hundred times." So, yeah, I think there's just an appreciation that you can never cut corners. There's never a a, a shortcut to to to, to listening. Hmm. Um, I think that's that's you know, that, that those three things really stand out for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're either we're, we're either winning or we're learning, right? G, that's it. I stole that. I stole that off Steve Carter. Um, Jason,
2: I guess oh Pete, where do I start? Um, it, it, it's definitely got to do with, um, in this business, is that a lot of your emotions are heightened. You can you get stressed quite easily. It's a it's a real emotional roller coaster, as everybody knows that knows anything about this this business, and so. It would have to be around thinking before you type it'd have to be um maybe maybe writing that linkedin post in in email and, and sending it to yourself and, and reviewing it in in three three four five hours um because in my 20s i definitely made a, a name for myself for spending far too much time on linkedin um and and probably uh uh, arising the wrong the wrong brand um but I learned a tremendous amount about it yeah. um yeah
0: yeah but but it's funnily enough as, as you were loading to come in I was telling uh I was telling Graham Perry very very briefly that you were an early adopter that's my polite way of saying it an early adopter of LinkedIn marketing and you came out yeah like a like a like a bull in a china shop and uh yeah. and 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 yeah, I, for one, watched you with uh, an equal amount of kind of admiration and also kind of fear. <laughs> it's like, my God, this guy has got balls the size of Brisbane. Um, i going to definitely check out some of your early posts, right? I'm looking forward
1: to that.
2: Oh, I did, yeah, well, Good. There was, uh, there's, 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 plenty, there's plenty of stories, you know, like I got to the point where I'd have about twenty. 20 to 25,000 views on my profile in, in a single 30 day period. Um, wow. You know, I've got 30 odd thousand followers that are all genuine. Um, and, but nowadays I'm much more about the business and I only get about 2,000 views a, a month. But that's the sort of heights it got to. But I just kind of spent a lot of my time on there you know trying to trying to build the brand by any means possible right and probably had a few of the wrong mentors and with you know living my life in a certain way that really evoked those emotions uh in not the right way most of the time
0: but imagine what but imagine what you learned from that experience right it's um yeah and, and yeah i'm sure you had a few a few uh few hot days because of it but i, I you know it, it's 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 all been a learning experience and i don't think it's been damaging at all but yeah grant get onto youtube check it out it's brilliant oh youtube okay
2: deleted they've deleted a bunch of those videos so i think think kieran and the guys at jdp have taken out a lot of my vlogs and things so don't blame them i
0: don't know right grant um fast forward 10 years whatever it might be one of your kids comes and says right dad i want to go and work in recruitment i don't want to work at tom executive under your close guidance i want to go and work wherever robert walters michael page hey trans what's the as before you set them off before you introduce them to the best rector to rec in, in australia um <laughs> what fatherly advice would you give them before they start their recruitment career well i mean firstly my my 14 year old
1: almost 14 year old um tells me uh not only is he going to come into recruitment but he's going to be my boss so he loves he loves it he loves hey. that like that. um yeah, but for me, it's, this is, this is a, quite an easy one, right? If I think about the, I guess, the younger or more junior recruiters that we brought into the business um, over the last five or 10 years, you can tell certainly in the first week, if not in the first couple of days, um, in terms of their first phone call to a client, their first couple of phone calls to a candidate, how they interact internally, mm. whether they're taking a long-term approach or not. Mm. Okay, it's it, it's very very clear, and if you think about the world we currently live in, where yeah, it's it's literally instant gratification and dopamine hits are literally at the at the click of a button. You know, the challenge is to get my children and the younger generation and any new 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 people to recruitment to actually understand and appreciate that this is a long game, right? And there is no shortcut. If you just chip away at building the blocks of relationship building, and you do that over a long, extended period of time, what you give is what you're going to get in spades. Um, but it's going to take time, so never undervalue your network and never undervalue your relationships.
0: Invest in them over the long term. Strong, strong, Jason. I don't think you've got any. Uh, I don't think there's any, any mini mini JRs kicking about just yet. But if uh if your your future kids or nieces or nephews come and ask you your advice before they embark on a recruitment career, what do you tell them?
2: Yeah. I mean, G hit it on the head there. It's, um, you know, I often talk to my teams about, it's not about that first BD call. It's not about that first call, that first email. Um, Most people want to see if you can, you can, you can hang out and really last uh, before they will entrust you with their business. And so it's, it's, yeah. You just, yeah, that exactly, exactly what Grant said. Um, but also like the patience part, you know, people will, will, you know, here and there will, you think you're getting the rough end of the stick with a deal or, or whatever it may be, but you know, seven, eight, 90% of the people, um, you will be surrounded by in business in the same market for many years to come. So you'll see them at events, you'll see them around. So um you know, be polite, be professional, and patient. Whereas, I know impatience makes a great recruiter um, at times. But you know, yeah, it's 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 definitely um, being being patient and polite, even if you do feel you're getting a little slighted on that on that first interaction or whatever it may be. Which definitely yeah, definitely a long game, and really understanding that puts it all into perspective. Hundred
1: percent. And, uh, you know, you look at um, people ask me what makes you what makes you guys special and I go, well, nothing really. But we've just been, been at the same bloody phone number for <laughs> 21 years. So the guys that we knew when they were financial accountants, you know, 21 years ago are now CFOs and divisional CFOs of banks. And we just you know picked the winners and we grew up with them and we gave them great advice along the way and placed quality people along the way with them that made them continue to look good and progress in their careers and just stick with them, right? And uh, it uh, it comes it comes back in uh, in in spades. This morning, I had a um, a call from a senior HR um, director at um, a listed um, uh, financial services business who I hadn't spoken to. Um, I asked her how she got to me to brief me on this role, and she told me that um, I placed someone with her husband ten years ago. And when wow. I told him last night that um, she was looking for this t- particular skill set, um, you know, he, he he remembered me. So, you know, that's that's what it's all about to me. Yeah,
0: It's got to stick around, right? Well, I, I've, over the years, less so nowadays, but over the years I've placed a lot of graduates into recruitment and uh, when they get the job, they think, boom, job done. And I'm very quick to tell them, so getting the job was the easy bit. That was the easy bit. Now the hard work begins, but the number one piece of advice I give them is, just sit tight. Stay in that first job for as long as you possibly can. Yeah, it's going to be good and it's going to be horrible, but just sit tight because yeah. that's that's how you make a name. That's how you're successful in this in this industry. And Pete, beyond what um, what Jason and I have said from your
1: years of seeing successful and not yeah not such successful recruiters, what um,
0: yeah anything else you you would add? What advice would I give my kids if they wanted to go into recruitment? Yeah. I would say, strap on your football boots, work harder on the football pitch. Sign for Manchester United, earn three hundred grand a year, and allow me to retire. Forget about <laughs> football. Uh, yeah. yeah, fair enough. <laughs> uh, now, I, 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 I would say, look, I I, 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 funnily enough, I, I would know where to send them, where they will be looked after. Um, what I mean looked after. What I mean by looked after is, is they will be surrounded by good mentors, good examples, uh, good pedigree, and I think it's crucial that new recruiters put themselves into those environments and just you know latch onto successful, ethical recruiters and just copy them, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Correct. I
1: remember with uh, with Graham uh, Graham Whedon, I used to irritate him and say, uh, "Are you seeing any candidates today?" I go, "Yep, to I go, "Can I sit in?" Yep. And I'd literally take notes of every single question Graham was asking them. I didn't really listen to or really understand what the candidate was saying, if I'm honest. But I was was just, and then I'd bug him afterwards. When you asked that question and he said that, why did you then counsel with that? And, you know, um, when people come join my business, um, they say, well, yeah, I say, what are the three most important things um, you should do over the next six months? And they go, what? I go, listen, listen, and listen. And it's just as important to work out, you know, the guys that that you'll never be able to emulate in style as the ones that you will.
0: Mm. Okay, so I just want to break away from the chat just for two minutes to bring you an important message from one of our sponsors, Hoxo Media. Now, if you've been living under a rock for the last 12 months, I will tell you who Hoxo are. They are the world's leading content marketing agency specifically for the recruitment industry. Hoxo are currently working with well over 250 recruitment agencies globally and about 3,000 recruitment consultants, and they are helping those recruiters build LinkedIn brands that open more opportunities by following a proven methodology daily. Now, in 2021, the hugely successful Hoxo Academy is changing. They've launched an eight-week personal brand launch program, which you can roll out right across your whole business. The Academy is aimed at helping traditional recruiters who have typically relied on outdated, outbound calls to attract candidates and clients. And it helps those who often lack the knowledge of how to use LinkedIn for anything other than posting jobs and might struggle with both ideas and confidence when it comes to producing content. Post COVID-19, we all know that the world and our industry is now truly digital. The modern recruiter needs to have a unique and consistent LinkedIn presence that offers value to their community and drives opportunities inbound. So the Hoxo Academy helps every recruiter in your agency achieve this in just eight weeks. They are enrolling a new cohort of training at the start of each calendar month. Now, here's the good bit. The first 50 customers that sign up in 2021 get the chance to enrol unlimited users onto the programme for 12 months at no extra cost. So if you've got 50 or 500 consultants now and you plan to hire more throughout the year, you can rest assured that they will all get the training they need to build a brand that wins business on LinkedIn. So please click the link attached to this episode or direct message me on LinkedIn to find out how your business can join the Hoxo Academy. On a personal note, I personally did the Hoxo Academy myself in the height of COVID and it absolutely changed my business. I made $60,000 across two months inbound inbound business when people basically just rang me and said, I've seen your stuff on LinkedIn, please help me find a job. So if it worked for me, a wreck to wreck in the height of COVID, I'm pretty sure it could work for you too. So check it out. Back to the chat. Right, chaps, thank you for that. Hopefully that gives everybody a little bit more of an insight into... Who you are, what's going up there, how you think, how you view, view the world, etc. Uh, but let's let's get into the the topic of debate, which is how do you effectively scale a recruitment business? I know that you, that both of you are hiring and your businesses are, are, are growing, but that's that's not unique to you. The, the whole industry, yeah. Thankfully, thank God, we we have bounced back from this this COVID nonsense uh, remarkably well, and, and everybody's looking to scale up. So keen to get your views on on how businesses do that. So let's let's have a chat about that. So the first question I have is post COVID, um, everybody's looking to grow. How does a business who's looking to attract the best talent in the market? How do they stand out from the crowd? Actually, Jason, I'll go to you first. How does a business looking to attract you know if a good recruiter hits the market? Let's be brutally honest; they're going to have ample choice and they're probably holding the cards. How does a recruitment business stand out and make themselves attractive to that to that strong recruiter?
2: Yeah, I've got an interesting take on this, Pete, because um, right now, in the last like, week or two, I've seen Randstad, Hayes, all the bigger companies, even the, the, the super boutiques and the smaller boutiques, um, be posting everywhere looking for staff. I... I like how you you stand out, like there's a, there's a million different things. But the way I thought of it was at the end of last year, um, I, I went really hard and and spoke to spoke to as many people as I can to build relations and to and to look for rookie recruiters. And you've you've placed someone with us who's doing fantastically well. And so I would. This is an interesting response to the question of how you stand out now because. I wouldn't. I'll would kind of wait till the rush dies down. If, if, if you know, look now, sure, but I I put those ads out and spoke to people October November last year and picked up some great new talent that are doing exceptionally well for us. Um, you know, this quarter just just it's nearly finished, and now I'm not getting any applicants come through. It's really hard to get a hold of people. The market is absolutely flooded, um, and I kind of think that. You know if you haven't already jumped in in the last year then maybe wait until the rush is over um, and look when others aren't looking but it's it's bloody hard to stand out and be be neck and shoulders above absolutely everyone if you just decided to get your shit together now
0: yeah. <laughs> um i get I, I get i get it i mean you've you've just touched on my pain as a rector to wreck um you know yeah, I've had my business for 16, 17 years, and there's been just a regular conveyor belt of recruiters, thank goodness. And now that conveyor belt is, is practically ground to a to a halt because so many people left the industry, so many people went back over to the UK, so many people stuck in the UK, whatever it might be. Um, but the recruiters who kept their jobs during COVID, guess what? They're sitting tight because they're making money. Uh, there's, there's there's a few exceptions to the rule, but Mm. the vast majority of those people who usually kind of run around town looking for new jobs, they're sitting tight. Mm. Um, But but some will pop up. And Grant, if they do pop up, uh how do you ensure that uh your your business standard stands out?
1: Um well I I have actually got a slightly a slightly different approach. I um if I think about some of the successful hires, whether it's individuals or team hires that we've done over the years. Those conversations were happening for, you know, in some cases two or three years, right? So I'm a, I'm a believer in that's the only time we can ever top draw candidates in this business, right? Is if it's a PRC that we are constantly talking to, um, you know, warming them up and basically waiting for the timing to coincide where it works for them and it works for us, right? Um, so I do think you kind of got to stay, you know, stay in the game. I understand your point and it gets a little bit noisy, uh, Jason, but yeah, for me, um, I, I, just, I, I'm just always on, you know, always on the look,
2: uh,
1: either for opportunistic highs or for strategic highs. Um, Mm -hmm. but I'm actually, I'm not sure that this is necessarily a post COVID, um, question. Um, Pete, I mean, obviously, I know it's hot right now, but you know, you either, as a business, you're either in a, a stage of your life cycle where you are you are ready to grow and scale, or, or you're or you aren't, right? So, you know, for us, um, if and when we are looking to scale, and you're right, we 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 very much in growth mode right now. Um, for us, it's about really two things: it's 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 platform and it's culture. So platform is obviously different and differently defined by by every different business and, and business owner but for me platform is you know first and foremost about the um, quality history and sustainability of your client base um, you yeah, know which is you know 17 years old for us um, incredibly good um, training and um, and and yeah Giving people joining the business a strong sense that they're going to be surrounded by you know, really good mentors, leading from the front, um, senior people in the business that are actually recruiting um, and that are very mm. that have got tenure not only in the business, but tenure within their, within their domain, um, that are very, very generous with sharing that information with this appreciation that they were once, they were once a junior recruiter. Um, And then a a really solid feedback loop, you know, where we talk about this to PRCs all the time around, um, you know, constantly, not just putting a bum on the seat and hope it works, but constantly looking at a a feedback loop from a performance perspective. Six month reviews, how are you going? What can the business do to support you? What we expect of you, what you're doing well, what you're not doing well, right? Um, And I I do think that in order to recruit for scale, you do need to um, have a balance um, of having attracting and retaining senior recruiters and keeping the senior guys that you've got for obvious reasons. Um, but then also um, bringing succession plan into the business. And um, through that platform, giving younger recruiters an opportunity to enjoy workflow uh, or job flow, make mistakes, um, learn, you know, be nurtured, and you know, and that only comes with a proper, proper platform. Um, and then the culture piece is, 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 is paramount. Everyone talks about culture. Everyone's got motherhood statements on their, on their website. But if, if, if a potential recruiter hasn't got a really strong sense of your culture by the, uh, the end of a process, well, we've done ourselves a disservice and we've done them a disservice, right? And I'd much rather them have a deep understanding of our culture and self-select out um, early um, or love our culture and yeah, be much more inclined to continue, continue the process.
0: Okay, so those those were much more, they were much deeper, much more intelligent uh, answers than I was expecting. If if I'm honest, the glasses the
2: glasses. I
0: think I think post COVID, there's been a there's been a whole wave of yeah, kind of policy changes around. Yeah, yeah, lots of lots of businesses are I- introducing things like eight day fortnights and nine day fortnights, and just kind of jumping on the the the, the, the flexibility bandwagon um and i think uh, that's what i was expecting you to say but your answers were much better so that's all good that's all good that's all good we'll move on um okay so what is interesting is um in my humble opinion the the recruitment industry needs to start feeding itself with with local homegrown you know uh, recruiters you know coming out of australians mate sorry sorry, say again you're allowed to say australians yeah yeah well yeah australians absolutely australians um but you know for 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 many years and yeah compared to the uk where they 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 farm thousands of of rookie recruiters into the system year after year after year for some reason we've never done that over here Uh, Mm. but i think we do need to um and, and a lot of businesses are starting to think about bringing through rookies and starting their own academies and what have you with that in mind. Um, given that it is so so tough to get experienced recruiters, do you think it's sensible, given the market demand, to every now and then take a take a punt uh, on a on a on a rookie recruiter or an inexperienced recruiter uh, who isn't yet proven but shows a lot of talent? Anybody can go first.
2: Absolutely. I mean, Pete, as you probably know, that's 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 most of my business and that's what I've made a career doing. Um, you know, I've hired. You know, almost, almost a hundred recruiters of the past eight years, and many of them have been, you know, rookie recruiters. That a lot of them are now got a corn off and got their own businesses, or you know, uh, a few of them from the last four years are still with me. Um, but absolutely, yeah, I, I. It would be great to have some kind of a, a a system or a process in Australian recruitment firms where they where they looked at more grassroots activities or. Or systems that will help bring these people through because real estate's a really known career in sales um from high school or from university but recruitment's just not mm-hmm. um but i do feel it's changing I do feel the tides changing there's some recruitment companies up here especially in queensland that do a fantastic job at it so i really hope it's it, it catches and becomes as big as the uk yeah yeah yeah. it has to i hope
0: it does i mean it's a it, it's a wonderful career and for some reason you know these 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 people coming out of these people coming out of university that um recruitment just isn't doesn't seem to be on their radar um it's, it's a shame grant do you think when you when you see somebody who has potential and and, and talent but they're unproven would you would you ever take a for want a better word a punt I'm, I'm a massive believer in it um
1: yeah. You know, I think just conceptually, whether it's in business or in, in life, um, people should be um, taken out of their comfort zone and given an opportunity before um, they're ready or certainly before they think they're ready. I was I was definitely a product of that where I was promoted. I couldn't believe that they did that. I thought they were crazy and that they probably were at the time. Um, and, you know, I've got two recent examples. A, um, a, a resource on our projects and transformation um, desk has kind of, yeah, shown a lot of a lot of skill and competence, and, uh, and interest in uh, becoming a three hundred and sixty recruiter. So we we're developing her in that way, and we've just recently hired another um, guy who yeah. was becoming increasingly frustrated where he was because he was just uh, yeah supporting a senior recruiter from a, a candidate sourcing perspective and wasn't given an opportunity to do three hundred and sixty. Mm-hmm. So we grabbed him and um, and you know ready in in two weeks. I can see he's going to be successful, right? Um, but then, if I think about over the years, um, some of our most successful recruiters who are still with us today have been lateral hires from industry. You know, they may have been more experienced, but experienced out of banking, for example, um, and show some flair for recruitment. And we brought them across successfully. And then, um, you know, some of our most successful billers are qualified accountants that were referred to us as candidates. Uh, we went to meet them as a candidate, and we went, nah, nah, nah. You're not going to one of our clients. We're going to grab you ourselves. Um, and we transitioned three three qualified accountants who are still with us and
0: uh, and
1: doing really well.
0: Good, glad to hear. How do you um? How do you obviously? Yeah, everybody works so hard on on um, creating this 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 wonderful culture that that's, that's so precious and so unique to you, but also so fragile, right? Um, when when making uh, large scale hiring or executing large-scale hiring strategies. How do you ensure that that, uh, that culture is never diluted or damaged um, by the wrong hires or bad apples or whatever it might be? Jason?
2: Um, speaking from experience, um, the best thing to do is to take, um, take every hire on a case-by-case basis, right? If you have to move fast, move fast. But... Be, be as thorough as you possibly can be um, and, and really think about all of the dynamics, you know, is, 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 there, is this person's energy going to complement the person they're going to be working with well? Um, you know, what's this person's remit? What's the career path for them over the next six to 18 months? Um, you know, are the expectations set clearly? Um, and going back to what G was saying before with culture, and making sure that every candidate that you you begin a process with is thoroughly understanding that. Like I, 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 it's a weird word to use with regards to culture, but I say that this culture compared to many other cultures I've had over the, over the past eight years is a culture of responsibility. Um, you know, 80, 90% of the quarter, um, the guys are working extremely hard and want to progress their careers and they're very responsible to the, to that fact. And so making sure that all of these people that you, you're bringing in really sort of fit that mold and work well and complement that person's dynamic um there's no real silver bullet to it other than a trial and error i guess (laughs) but you've really got to be thorough with meeting them giving other people to meet them and work out a formula on a system that works well for your individual group um, upon bringing them in you know um we've just we've made four new hires since january and so far i reckon these four new recruiters are going to be well known in industry over the next couple of years i can guarantee you yeah
1: yeah right so question yeah it's a great answer mate um well i think i mean to to answer your question um Pete, as best i can you can never insure it or guarantee it right um it's a perennial challenge and you think um if you think back 17 years ago when you know ben myself and richard were so under, under unbelievably different in style um yeah we we did certainly have um very very similar values right so i think when when you talk about growth firstly um you got to make sure that your growth is measured um and don't just grow for the sake of growing um mm. So if you yeah, know you strategically or opportunistically um, are looking to bring headcounts into your business, I think you know you've got to first and foremost get really, as Jason said, get really focused and really disciplined around hiring to your values. Okay, and um, if you haven't defined your values, that's the first start. You know you, you can't you can't attract people at scale unless you've got a very very succinct articulation of, of, of those values yeah. so our, our entire interview process and you you know this well by now pete is is and as well as onboarding process is actually around um not we, we don't ask very many if any recruitment craft questions i don't think i've ever asked a PRC how much money they've billed which might sound strange okay. it's all, it's, you don't do that too
2: no, I I I'm, sure, I'm
1: sure the guys cover it off or we get, we get Pete to tell us what they, what they build or I'm assuming that when Pete sends into to us, he's already done his homework, haven't you, Pete? I'm sure you have. Um, but really, it's, 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 it's about, you know, um, without sounding kind of, you know, um, uh, wanky about it, it's, it's about having kind of what I would call institutional grade, i.e. what our, what our clients do. Uh, around competency-based assessments around those characteristics and whether there's a close assessment and alignment to those values, right? And the things that we look for, um, you you cannot fake and and you cannot train. You you know, they're innate, you're either either born with those those characteristics or you're not. So, you know, and then, you know, you've obviously done the culture assessment, you've taken them out, you've spent a lot of time with them, you've got a lot of people to meet them, Um, everyone's comfortable, and then we've proven over time that you plug them into a process, you surround them with nice culture, they're going to be happy, they're going to stay for a long time and ultimately, you know, going to, going to, going to be successful, right? Um, but I think the challenge is balancing that, that, that fit, i.e. bringing people into the business with that absolute uniqueness, Um, to truly be themselves you know Pete you've heard me say no Monday face the person you're on a weekend is who I proactively encourage you to be Monday to Friday because anything other than that is is not sustainable but how do you balance that uniqueness with an intrinsic um, uh, values around the way that they see the world and interact with the world is, is is in lockstep with the way we do right um, and then, really, to scale, I think you know it's then about putting frameworks in place and you know, having clear accountability uh, around how we make decisions, how we communicate those decisions, um, and how we you know create enough white space, um, if I can use a corporate um, growth cliche, to allow the strategic people in the business to be uh, you know strategic, to be innovative, to be visionary, and then allow. Um, you know, the more junior and basically then just get out of the way of everyone else to let them go and run their race and progress and um, do great things.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's easy for a rec to rec to forget, right? So if I'm if I'm when I'm sending a candidate to, to a privately owned business, uh, it's easy to forget that you know, that business is still owned. Uh, co-owned by Grant Mossovitz and others, and, and Jason Rawlson. And, and this thing is so so precious to you. It's your baby. It's your life. It's your family. It's your livelihood. It's your future. Yeah. Um, you, know, you said a candidate to Michael Page or Hayes. It's just it's just another manager making another hire with yeah. not his or her money. You know, yeah. <laughs> there's minimal risk. Yeah. Um, but we're li- li- listening to you talking about how you how you approach it. it makes you realise how. Yeah but I, mean, I
1: also I think then when when people have then joined the business and they yeah, they they're trying to work out the culture fit of the business in which they're about to send a shortlist to and there might be one on the shortlist where it's yeah not sure yeah I just ask the question I go mate, how would you feel about that person sitting right next to you and joining this team in this business tomorrow yeah you know and they often look at me going wow I hadn't, I hadn't actually considered that but as soon as you put that lens on it yeah it, um because yeah basically most people would say a, that I never that they 've got a no decade policy right it 's as simple as that <laughs> yeah
0: yeah, yeah, all right, thank you chaps so just breaking away from the conversation for one more minute, just to bring you another quick message from our other sponsor, Vincere, the recruitment weapon for progressive recruitment firms, so Vincere is an all in one platform that covers your front, middle, and back office recruitment operations from BD, applicant tracking, rostering, timesheets, invoicing, internal chat, all the way through to battle-tested analytics and dashboards. Vincere's vision is to build the features that other CRMs outsource to third parties or a marketplace. So if your current recruitment tech stack has become a debt stack, or even worse, a Franken stack, then Vinnie will bring everything into one place. Vincere is Aussie-owned and is run by a team of successful ex-recruiters. So if you're currently using Bullhorn, JobAdder, or the like, but are looking for a new breed tech partner, speak to Vincere. No matter what your recruitment journey is, whether it's contract, temp, exec search, or perm, if you're a subscriber to this podcast, then you can get an exclusive offer from the Vincere team. Simply visit www.vinciare.oo/mint. Back to the chat. Right, we're going into the last question. Before we go into the last question, uh, Jason, can you hold up that container? That's got to be the biggest receptacle of what is it? Blimey, how big is that?
2: So it's a, it's a H2O capsule. I'm not trying to spruik it at all. But it's a H2O capsule. It's 2.2 litres. So really uh-huh. looking after my health and fitness this year, as you know, Pete working out twice a day and all the rest of it. And this is just a great way to manage how much water you you, you intake, rather than a glass here and a glass there yeah. and a bit of. Right.
0: Yeah, it looks like something the SAS would jump out of an aeroplane with. Yeah. <laughs> right, gentlemen. Final question: um, How important is it for you as the business leader to be involved in the hiring process? And do you ever foresee a day when? You won't be. No, you step back. I mean, I, I can think of businesses now that have got to a certain size where the founding CEO n- has zero involvement in in the recruitment of, of, of people. Um, do you ever see that happening in your business? But but the first question is, how important is it for you to be involved in the process? Grant, um,
1: I, I don't really see it as a responsibility. I actually I actually love it. Um, I, I really do enjoy um, interacting. I, I get involved. As I said earlier, you know, we've, we've, we've definitely kind of finessed our process and everyone's got different roles to play through the process. Um, and I typically get brought in um, sometimes very early on, especially if um, the person we're seeing has got a good reputation or we like the look of them on paper. Um, and I love spending, I spend at least an hour, often an hour and a half if they've got the time to um, just really get to understand them who they are as a human being. Um, Pete you know some of the some of the questions that I'll ask them that might be might be a little bit different which again through those questions that they might self-select out because this guy's a bit, bit weird a bit strange a um, bit deep or whatever um, uh, but really just um, yeah, get to know them as a human being and after that hour, hour and a half um, I would love to think that um, they've got a really good sense of who I am as a human being and if they don't like me as a human being then they're going to self-select out early. If they do like me as a human being, then hopefully they think that that's, you know, consistent with. If he's a if he's a half decent bloke, then it's probably not a bad business to join, right? Um, and they they hopefully will be more inclined to continue the process. So to answer your question, I, I'm I'm um my plan is not to ever um not be involved, but there might come a time where um, some of the guys go, gee, it's time you're yeah. a bit uh, you're a bit old school now, a bit fuddy daddy. so. Yeah, let the young
0: guns bring them in, mate. Right? Let somebody else have a turn. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to be interviewed by you. It, it would feel wrong doing it in an office. I'd, I'd want to do it in front of a roaring fire with my Ugg boots on.
1: Well, mate, if you ever come up, if you ever actually come up to Sydney and take me for lunch, I can interview you. No
0: problem, mate.
2: <laughs>
0: mate there's been a there's been a global pandemic. Yeah, have, you not, have you not noticed? Have you not noticed? Um, Jason, how important is it for you? As a business leader, to be involved in the hiring process, um, probably more than now. But do you ever see a day where you you wouldn't you wouldn't be?
2: Oh, p- perhaps. Um, but I think thinking that far ahead in, in our industry and in our business is a probably a bit of a, of a mistake. And maybe last year uh, thought some of us that as well. Um, but G, what G said, I one hundred percent agree with the way the way he put that. Um, I would add, though, straight out of the blocks with BlackRock, I I, I stepped back a little bit and moonlit um, some of the some of the the, the senior guys here and, and hiring different people, um, and that was a mistake because I guess you kind of want to have your touch on the process, um, and, and it's important because if you, as long as you're going to still be in it, they may pick people that are just you know off the mark and you're it's just not going to fit to put it politely um, and so I, I think it's very much important especially while we're tiny at, at 15 16 uh, consultants that to, to be very much involved in it I think um, you've got you've got to play a part you can't be overbearing in the process either which I have tended to be behind the scenes with the rest of the guys here the rest of the seniors here I've, I've, I've tweaked tweaked my approach there but we worked really hard the past six months to refine a process that seems to have worked for us, touch wood. But, you know, culture is fragile and it's ever-changing. Um, but, yes, it's very important.
0: Well, for what it's worth, I, th- I think I'm, I'm, as, as somebody who supplies into your businesses, I'm very glad that you're both involved in the processes. There are, there, are, there are other businesses that shall absolutely remain nameless where, you know, sometimes the owner gets involved and you think, oh, please don't, please don't. That's that's not the case with Tom and Blackrock, right, Jabs? Well, thank you so much. I, I I really appreciated some some invaluable insights out there for for anybody, you know, thinking about scaling and growing. And um, you know, it's interesting to find out, you know, the, the thought process that goes on behind it from the from the business leaders' perspective. Um, Thanks so much, Peter. I really really appreciate you having having
1: me on. I enjoyed it, and good good to meet you, Jason. Maybe we'll meet in person one day. Yeah. Soon.
2: I would love that. I'll be I'll be down in Sydney soon seeing some clients. So I'd I'd love that. Awesome. Jason, just Jason, just
0: so you know, it's it's taken me about six months to get Grant to agree to this. So this is a this is a <laughs> it was well worth the wait. Oh good. Thank you. Nice. All the best. Talk to you.
2: you, so hey, you <laughs> At least you turned up. That's that. Say again. At least you turned <laughs> up. Stop it. Stop it. Okay. Thanks, boys. All the best. You Bye-bye. Thank
0: you. Thank you so much for listening to the Recruitment Journeys podcast. Really hope you enjoyed it. Now, while we're passionate about bringing inspirational recruitment stories to our network via this podcast series, Recruitment to Recruitment is our bread and butter and our day job. So if you are a recruiter thinking about your next career chapter, which coincidentally forms part of your recruitment journey, see what I did there? We're always keen to have confidential discussions with recruiters about what's going on in the market. So please feel free to contact me in the strictest of confidence on 0432 666 701 or email
2: pete at mintrecruitmentgroup.com. Thank you.